I'm Neville O'Donoghue, and this is Yalla Rugby Podcast. Bench warmers and rugby smacks. If you haven't already, please give them both a follow. I've teamed up with Alex Johnson, the founder and the creator of uh, Yalla Rugby, and each week we're going providing a weekly podcast. So on this week's podcast, I had the Dubai Sharks chairman Charlie Taylor. Uh, Alex Johnson sent me down to the McGettigans Medina to interview him, and we had a few points and we got into a lot of things. But uh, before I go into that. I'm just going to have a quick run-through of the weekend's uh, results and fixtures. So, I'll start with the Premiership. At the weekend, we had Bahrain and the Tigers. They played in Bahrain. The Tigers won that one, 22-18. Very good result there for the Tigers. And Harlequins played the Exiles at Sports City, at Zayed Sports City. And um, the final score on that was Exiles 50, Harlequins 7. A result they probably won't be happy with. And I think the final table then for the West for the UA, for the Premiership was Tigers on top, Exiles, Dragons, and Harlequins. And of course, it's a weekend off next weekend, but then it goes off into a playoff. Looking at the at the first division then, which is the one I'm playing in, is um, the final results. I suppose starting with Friday night was. Barrelhouse 34, Sharks 36. That was a cracking game of rugby out in Jebel Ali. Other result was, on Saturday then was Exiles seconds versus Pumas first. 29-28 to the Exiles. That was at the 7th Stadium. And uh, the Dragons 17-38 against the Hurricanes. That was also in Jebel Ali. They had a big day unveiling their new ground that day. And uh, Sharjah Wonders 7 uh, Tigers 50, that was in Sharjah, and again in Ziad Sports City, Harlequins 2, or, or Harlequins 40, uh, Alain Amblers 47. So the final look in the table there was, so Hurricanes came on top, Amblers, Sharks, Tigers, Barlows, Dragons, Pumas, Harlequins, Exiles and Wonders. But of course, that breaks off now into the top four, and it's the Hurricanes, Amblers, Sharks, and Tigers. And it's a weekend off again next weekend, but then it goes into um, playoff then between the top four. And then just a word for the women's, um, because I know our own Sharks women's team did very well at the weekend. They were uh, they were playing in a tournament down in... Um, just get it up there, sorry, no. Um, in Sharjah, and Hurricanes won both the leagues A and B at the weekend and uh, now it goes into uh, a standalone finals tournament on the 18th so definitely watch that space. So without further ado I have the club chairman of the Dubai Sharks Charlie Taylor. Charlie Taylor chairman of the Dubai Sharks how are you? I'm good Nev how are you how are you after Friday night? I'm not too bad. Uh, sure, it was a tough game. But before we get into all that, uh, tell us a bit about your own background. Where are you originally from and how did you end up in Dubai? 
Um, well, it was a long time ago, um, but I'm originally from just outside Peterborough. Uh, and anyone who's from that area would know that uh, as soon as you grow up in Peterborough, the first thing you want to do is remove yourself from that part of the world. Um, played my rugby uh, at a local, local club called Andal Rugby Club um, from like six years old through to Colts and seconds. Um, and then played rugby quite a bit, wanted to turn pro, but ultimately, of course, wasn't good enough. Um, probably not physically not not that it wasn't physical it was probably my mental aptitude wasn't up to the uh happens to us all yeah, yeah i think it was everything was changing and turning professional and um you too know fond of a pint <laughs> yeah too fond of a pint uh caught up with too many girlfriends and um yeah you know how it is this everyone's got a story to tell um so i ended up moving abroad Peterborough is that sorry no because I'm some I'm from the south of Ireland. Is Peterborough where's that? Is up to north of England or where is it? So it's pretty much slap bang in the middle of Leeds and London. Okay. Um, so Premiership clubs, Leicester or Northampton, uh, basically is yeah. is your options there. Um, yeah. So moved abroad to uh, to Greece to start with, and you're a bit of a party dude in your youth. I saw pictures of you with bleached hair and used to be on board parties and whatnot no yeah so i had i did about 21 seasons so summer seasons winter seasons um teaching water sports and skiing in the winter had some dreadlocks for a little bit you know all that all that sort of stuff right. uh, it does feel a long time ago now um and then towards the end of my season air career in 2015 um I was living in Turkey and got the opportunity to come out here and do water sports. Um, so took the opportunity. So me and the uh, girlfriend at the time packed our bags and uh, headed over here. Um, and that was... 2015? Just, well, yeah. So um, I did two years in, in Turkey. So it was, it was the summer, summer of 16, 2016. In that October, we moved over here. And uh, yeah, been here, been here that long now. And then, I suppose, did you? How did you come across the Sharks then? And did you? Were you playing a bit of rugby over here, or what's the story? So, I was working quite a lot, six days a week. Um, it's pretty, pretty bushed at the end of the day, working on the beach. I had um, pretty leathery, leathery-faced skin. Um, wasn't really getting to see much of Dubai. Wasn't really meeting anyone. Only the guys that I worked with. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, where, where we were living in Sports City, I looked over the balcony and um, saw the rugby posts. So, jumped online. I thought, I hadn't played, been involved in rugby for 13 years, 14 years. Um, went online, saw it was the Sharks, gave them a, a shout on Facebook. And um, Quinny was the one that answered. So, spoke to him, said, come down to training. But this was over the summer. And then, um, yeah, two weeks before training started, bearing in mind all I was going to do was roll out the lift at the bottom of um, the apartment block onto the pitch. Um, we uh, we got news that training was going to be down the complete other end of town. Um, but sort of by that point, I'd committed myself to Sharks, even though I hadn't met anyone yet. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I was, I was working in Jebel Ali and then driving all the way down to... Um, 
uh, Zabil Park okay. for training, which yeah. you have no idea where that is. No, I don't. So it's basically near the, the Dubai frame. Okay. Yeah, over that over that side of town. Um, and then for, I suppose, before we get into the Sharks, I suppose for, for us that don't know what you actually do for a living, because as we all know, it's... The tax breaks are great over here, but it's not that cheap to live over here. So, obviously, I heard you're on the big books yourself, like, you know. So, what do you do? Uh, yeah, far from it. Um, well, running water sports companies isn't uh, as lucrative as... Well, it's a lifestyle gig, really. Um, so, about three and a half, four years ago, I uh, moved into property maintenance. Um, so, now run... Uh, so managing director for a property maintenance company called uh, etc maintenance get in, get that in there um so yeah came in as like a business development executive or something and then just climbed up and uh yeah that's now taking up an awful lot of time all right yeah, yeah. and um i suppose then we'll talk a small bit about the rugby um I suppose congrats to the Sharks, uh, true to the playoffs for the first time ever, I, I believe. Uh, that's surely a, a big plus for you that's been at the club now since, what, 2015, 16, you know? Yeah, it's um, it's been quite the journey. Um, briefly touching it about going down to train at Zabil Park. So that, that first season, we um, the, the season before, we had... I think we had two women's teams, we had three men's teams, or, or at least two men's teams. Huge sort of playing numbers. Um, and that was when, what happened was the Eagles were formed in uh, Sports City. So there was no real room for the Arabian Knights or Sharks down there anymore. Um, so we had to go and find find somewhere else as a home. Um, so we started at Zabil for training and then we ended up going down to, well, we ended up coming back down to uh, Jebel Ali, to be fair. So it went from a really long way for me to train to um, just around the corner. Straight, so go straight to training from work, which was great. Um, and then since then, we've been around the houses. We we spent a season at North London Collegiate School, um, North Anglia, uh, Dubai Polo Club. That was the first time back on grass. That was a... That was a massive victory at that point, you know, just just to get the guys training on grass. Um, okay, albeit it wasn't actually pitches, and um, we had to. Uh, well, Access Hire kindly donated us uh, a handful of solar-powered um, spotlights, basically. We call them floodlights, um, and, and so yeah, just. Every time training was, the guys had to come uh, come along, put the put the lights up, turn them on, and um, yeah, while while the uh, the grooms were around shoveling up the horse poo from uh, from yeah. from all the stuff going on beforehand. So yeah, that was um, that was interesting. But yeah, we've it's been a long old battle um, all the way through, and then yeah, so a bit of a pinnacle weekend for not just the men's, the mm. the ladies as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you're probably going to come on to that. Yeah, more definitely. And um, yeah, it's come on a long way then. Like, so obviously I'm playing with the Sharks, but who was on that team back in 2015, 2016? Was Gaz on it? Was Bryce on it? You know. Uh, oh, here we go. Right, so that was when I played. I only played a handful of games. Um, so Yurun was around. Tom Davies, um, and I reckon. That's probably about it. So there's okay. 
yeah, Hannes was around, but he left last year. Well, I, I remember talking to you um, uh, last week we were at the Super 2s game, the second team, and um, how, like, they, who were they playing? Was it the Tigers, was it? And they, they hammered them. And you were on commentary and you just turned around and you said, this is such a nice turnaround because we were normally the teams getting hammered and now it's gone the other way. So that must be a big... And obviously you didn't Hartley sign this year and everything. So, like, you know, it's it's just all been up and up, like, you know? Yeah, so there was a, there was a period where we couldn't even get two teams out. Um, we were struck, we were ringing around just for just to get one team out. And, um, you know, this, well, in February 2016 or 2017, we probably got two or three boys turning up for training. So then Matt, the coach at the time, was phoning around, um, trying to trying to scrape together a team, ringing up some of the old boys uh, who who had long retired, and we just had to put a team together. And then, obviously, no cohesion. There was a few a few guys that could that could play a bit, and um, and did all right. But ultimately, by the end of the game, was we were on the the end of some pretty pretty harsh scores. But we always made sure that we we, we enjoyed ourselves afterwards. Did you ever think this day had come, that you'd make the playoffs and that you'd have two strong teams? If not, there's nearly scope for a third team nearly at this stage, you know? And and the minis and the women's, obviously, will come on to that. Yeah, I think I think realistically, I didn't think that we were going to be in existence at this this point. Oh, yeah. You know, I think um, Quinny's probably got um, a, lot to, a lot, lot to say about that. He, um, I'd, I'd say it was his stubbornness that, that kept, us, kept us in it. Um, at that point, I wasn't in the committee or anything. I was, in fact, I wasn't really involved in the club. I'd, I'd broken my foot pretty badly and sort of didn't get involved too much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to just to just to get results like we've had this year and to reach the playoffs in Div One and the ladies to do so well at the weekend is, um, yeah, it's pretty pinch pinchy stuff moment. Yeah. And like that's one thing I do want to ask you about because obviously I played a bit of club rugby at home. Like you said, the team nearly folded. Like it seems over here, that's you're never far away from that. Like you know, like what what you think could be done more to help the game over here to stop that from team? Because we saw was it Pumas or someone forfeited a game this year? Like you know, like that's it's you're never too far away from that. You know. So Pumas struggled. That was only their that was their second team. So that was in Div Two, which is a non-competitive league, um, and I think they suffered a few. Few players left over over the Christmas break. Um, I mean, I can't really, I can't really talk too much for other clubs, um, so I'll keep it sort of specific to yeah, yeah. to what I know. Um, it's very, very, very expensive to run a rugby club here. It's it is a it's a business. You yeah. know? So myself and and a few of the other guys that are in the exec committee and stuff like that. I mean, we are ultimately running a a business that generates. You know, 1.6, 1.7 million dirhams a year, but we spend 1.6, 1.7 million dirhams a year as well. Like at the end of the at the end of the season, we're we're scraping around for a five dirham, ten dirham note to pay off the balance dues and stuff like that. So um, there's so many contributing factors as to you know what, what is what's so specific about rugby here, and it, you you can't compare it to to back home like. There's green fields rolling all over the place back home. There's no expense on irrigation because it rains a lot. Um, 
you get you get fun you get you, you, know, you get a lot of um, funding oh. from from the government from rugby union uh, all the unions and stuff like that so it's it's totally different you know we we have to we have to beg borrow and steal and you know go out and reach out to new sponsors old sponsors um, we have to we have to be really delicate with with our membership um, prices can't price out the you know everyone and yeah so it, it's it's a really 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 fine balance and yeah everybody's probably got their own idea of how it should be run um, I, I I think we're I think we're now set on the right amount of teams and clubs involved in the country um, we just need to work harder getting more people through the door but obviously it's rugby it's not it's not a simple simple sport it's yeah. it's a very attritional very um complicated yeah it is you know and ultimately and, and this goes this is another point of why you can't compare it is it's such a transitional part of the world you know we come here to work you know that gives us our visas and whether we have our wives on a visa or they have their own jobs you know we're all here on on visas and if and if we can't work through injury or we lose our jobs because of the downturn or, or whatever it is it, it's not a case of stick and put your feet up and go to the job center and sign on or anything like that you, you know you're out of here and you're yeah. selling up and you you know you make you do make a lot of friends and then all of a sudden they, they could be leaving and and it changes so it's such a transient transient thing it's it's very difficult to set long and medium term goals all right. like, but look, finally anyway, because look, it's, I know it's very tough, but it's not all doom and gloom, as I said, we were successful on the pitch, but a lot of people listening to this, you as chair, chairman of the club, what do you think could be done more from UAE or Dubai to help out the rugby clubs like the Sharks, like the, the Barrel Houses, like the, the Pumas, the Hurricanes, etc, etc? Well, how long have you got? Um, there's a lot... There's a lot that could be done. There's a lot that is being done. Um, you know, you got to remember that we've come out of a, a period during COVID, which absolutely decimated the rugby rugby world all over. In fact, I think we were one of nine, eight or nine countries that were playing amateur rugby in the world. Yeah. Everywhere else, it's completely stopped. So, and we okay, we had to adapt to play a tens tens game and. Um, we lost a few front rowers because of that, but it, it's slowly building back up. Um, the, the the UARF, um, you know, was, I don't want to criticise them in any way, but I'd like them to um, understand a little bit more about what what is required for us to to set up rugby here, um, and not you know. You can't ever go and ask for money, but but perhaps work away, work out a way of, um, you know, discussing with them how best we can collectively go out and try and get more money into the game. Because at the moment, we have the the RCC, which basically manages expat rugby yeah. um, on behalf of the UARF. But that's just a that's a that's a group of of, of chairman and directors of rugby that. That are involved in, and it's a passion project. Yeah. You know, that's we've all got our own jobs. Yeah. You know? So I'm sitting. I sit on the RCC. So I've I've got my daytime job. Yeah. 
and then I've got all the stuff going on with the Sharks and then also contributing to the, the RCC and, and how we move forward and manage the leagues and, you know, collate results, um, assist the referees. It's, it, it's, not, it's not a simple task. And I think if we can find a way that we can sort of productize what we've got, okay, it's amateur rugby, but if we can productize what we've got, and I think there is an appetite for it, we can find money to, to implement or to put, put together an admin team that basically do all of the legwork for us. Like, okay, you can get, you can get all your technology, like your apps and, and all that sort of stuff. But ultimately, I think it needs, it needs a couple of people to, to, to be accountable for, for the admin and, and, and that's it. And they work on behalf of the UARF um, to deliver expat rugby for the clubs. Yeah. You know, some clubs are playing players. I'd like to see that money come back in and work on a, on a better framework yeah. so all the clubs can benefit and then we can, we can raise the quality of the products that we have in this country. Yeah. No, I agree with you. There needs to be more of a coming together from what I've seen in my short time here. And I think, um, and I suppose that's the Yellow Ruby podcast is that what we're offering is that different clubs can come and talk to us. Uh, I suppose what some people will be listening to this about then is Dylan Hartley, a former England rugby captain, the most capped hooker that ever played for England. Mm-hmm. How, in the name of honour of God, did the Sharks, a small club in Dubai, get a hold of him and get him to come play or get him to be director of rugby? Yeah, that was um, that was a quite a surreal summer, to be honest, um, jumping onto Zoom calls with him. But uh, it basically comes, comes back to our... Um, the, t- the Bali legends that... Um, come and play at the sevens every year so they've been heavily linked um, with the Sharks ever since they formed um, in fact it was a few uh, Potbellies members that were, were there at the time of the Bali bombings um, that helped form uh, the Bali legends and so um, there was a link somewhere I can't remember um, with with Dylan for, for that so Dylan was going to come on board the Bali Legends for three years uh, to coach them at the, at the Sevens. Um, and during that time, there was conversations being had. I think Dylan and his family were sort of looking at what they could do over here. Um, Post-retirement, like. Yeah. Post-retirement for Dylan, I suppose. Like, yeah. yeah, transitioning out of professional yeah. rugby or professional sports. You know, yeah. it's um, not easy. And um, we ended up having a few conversations when they were over here um, we got we got a few sponsors coming up have a round of golf with Dylan and meet him and um, at that point I didn't really expect too much um, you know we've, we've had previous ex-pros in the country um, not always worked out um, as well as probably many people hoped so I was always a bit concerned about that um, but yeah met him understood what what they were about um had a had a pretty strange conversation over zoom actually he said you know what are your expectations of me and having never met the guy i was like uh i have none <laughs> it's uh, we're still in sort of an embryonic yeah. stage of conversations yeah. um but from then on in it was it was a lot of back and forth and then um our main sponsors access hire offered a offered a business development role 
for him and, and his transition into corporate world, um, which was amazing. Having, you know, what Access High were doing for us as a, as a club already yeah. was amazing. And then to, to be able to sort of help facilitate Dylan coming on board. Um, yeah, sort of Mike and I had to go away and pinch ourselves a few times. Um, and then, and then, yeah, it was. Uh, so Access Higher, they gave him a job, wasn't it? Was it? And uh, and then Dylan, and then Dylan obviously has his role in with the Sharks as well, is it? Yeah. So Dylan's director of rugby, yeah. um, and then yeah, he's he's got a role with with uh, with Access Higher. Um, yeah. I don't know how much he gets involved, um, but yeah, that's that's the, you know that's his visa and, and stuff like that covered. Um, a few rounds then, of yeah. golf again from open the. A few rounds of golf for him, would have said that's... Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. A few dinners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tell us about the... Obviously, we know the first team is hugely important, Charlie, but, like, uh, tell us about the, the underage, the minis, because I was out a few times on a Saturday and I couldn't believe the amount of underage children playing, and that's hugely important. But also tell us about the women, because, like, we were in the WhatsApp group there during the week, and I know the, the men created history Friday night, but the women had an unreal tournament, didn't they? Also, yeah. So the so the girls did uh, did an amazing job, and are continuing to do an amazing job. So um, I'll probably start with them. So since they we, we relaunched the, the the ladies team um, since after we left Sports City and um, the, this new phase has, has come in. We actually, well, it was, in fact, it was myself. I was walking the dog one evening and I phoned Mike and I was like, because my, my wife at the time was, was across playing for Hurricanes. Um, it was her first year playing rugby and she was really, really enjoying it. And I was like, I reckon we could, I reckon we could get a girls team because I think uh, the numbers were depleting. It was, uh, it was COVID, it was the start of COVID. And there was a real, real concern on numbers. But strangely enough, us as a club, we were, we actually were getting more people through the door, not just to play rugby, just to socialise. Um, and there was a bit of a scene at the at the gym, CrossFitters. So I was just, I said, Mike, what, what, what should we do? Should we do it? Should we have a crack? Um, and then, yeah, that was it. I think 20 minutes later, I dropped a message um, to a few of the guys and um, all uh, was one of the first to um, to get involved, uh, who's now our ladies captain. Yeah. Well, she's been ladies captain since day one. Um, she's been a real figurehead of, of what we've been doing. Um, and yeah, we, we basically started training. I, I think we had 16, 16 ladies in the first season of which four had played the game before. Laura, my wife, being yeah, one of them. Yeah. And that was a, you know, going into a second year. So there was still a lot, a lot to learn. Um, couldn't find a coach, so because I was the one that said let's do it, I ended up coaching as well, um, which was fun and challenging at the same time. Um, and then yeah, it's just built from there. So this year uh, we've got Christine in, who heads up the the ladies as, as head coach, and she's done a, an amazing job. Um, she's relatively new to what well, she was very new to Dubai. Um, She's a former pro, isn't she? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Played South Africa sevens yeah. um, and a good cricketer as well. Right. Yeah, that was her. That was yeah. her main thing before rugby. Um, so she's come in and she's sort of got the bug back and she's playing again. I think yeah. she had a few injuries, but 
starting to play again. And I think I think that's really helped with girls because, you know, you can coach, but if you can coach and then play alongside the girls, it's it's amazing for them to learn. Like you think when you go on a pitch and you're you're training with with some of the better players, yeah. your game automatically goes up. So I think the girls have sort of been dragged uh, up a few gears and. And ultimately, you're seeing that in their results throughout the season, um, culminating in first final uh, appearance on Saturday and fourth in the league. So, yeah, really amazing stuff from the girls. They, uh, they'll never be outdone after the boys on the Friday night. Um, and then, yeah, so the the mini and youth was, um, was opportunistic, if yeah. I'm honest. Yeah. We... We've always, as a constitution of the club, had had um, a blueprint for mini and youth. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it's so difficult to start from scratch because you ultimately need teams to pl- to play and how you know however many need in the team. It's 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 such a challenge. It's, it's not like the ladies or the men's. You know you know you're going to get good numbers. You've got so many different age groups. So it was always going to be a challenge. And then um, unfortunately the Knights Eagles were in a bit of a bit of a sticky situation and there wasn't really much communication they didn't know what was going on the parents and so um andy kirby messaged me and said i've had a call from a couple of the parents they're they're a bit concerned they're just putting some feelers out to see would would the sharks take take them on um and I mean, I did phone Mike again, as I normally always do. Um, within about three and a half seconds, we knew what the answer would be, and and then I was on a, I was on the phone to uh, to those guys, and you know, it was a yes. Just yeah. tell us what what we need to do. Um, I think I got off the phone. The first person I called was um, Sam at SRG, and said, Sam, can you um, can you put together 250 uh, mini youth kits with reversible shirts? Um, which he wasn't really expecting. And um, I think within 20 minutes there was a design, pinged it across to a few of the parents. They were like, wow, okay. And um, I think they say the rest is history. But yeah, that first year, I think we were expecting about 160 to come over. I think we finished the season with 235. Yeah. And then this year we're up to 450. And that's still without under 19 boys and under 16 boys. Um, so there's still a few age groups to, to fill up, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, been, it's been pretty massive to be honest. It's yeah. blown everyone away. But, but I have to take my hat off to all the guys that were involved. They, they just, they had this structure yeah. all along. They just, they, they, it was amazing. Like, to be fair, I didn't really have to do much. They, they just took it all on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you've got all these guys running around the pitch on a, on a Saturday morning, and it's like, whoa, what's what's happening here? Yeah. Um, and then yeah, that's brought that's brought some more vets into the club as well. Yeah. So all all corners of the club have really thrived off the back of of kids, and you know all the other guys at all the other clubs will you know will vouch for it. It's so important that the mini and youth product is um, is good because every, every other part of the club benefits from it. Um, no, it's brilliant. As I said, you see it on a Saturday. I can't get over the amount of children, boys and girls out there enjoying the game. Um, I suppose final few questions then, Charlie, is uh, where do you see the Sharks in five or ten years' time? Do you think it's 
surely it's going in the right direction and what are your hopes and aspirations for the club? Well, I'd be lying if I didn't say that we would love to have our own own base that we control and we manage. I think rugby's a really simple game in the fact that all you need is a grass pitch and a beer tap. If you've got those two things, you can make a success of it. Um, and it's, it's where some clubs get really, really sort of bogged down in, in just paying for huge amounts of money for, for pitch space. So, yeah, I mean, ideally, I would love to have our own our own pitches that we can that we can manage ourselves, you know, and, and introduce a couple more a couple more sort of sports. We've, we've, we've launched netball this year, which has yeah. been hugely successful. It would be great to get them under the same roof as us. Um, Do you ever think a team, and I always think this, because, sorry, in my own country, Ireland, there's a Gaelic pitch, there's a rugby pitch, there's a soccer or football pitch, right? Why don't you team up with a Gaelic club over here or another rugby club? Because it's so expensive. I said that to Quinny before and try and go halves and you both have your own place then, you know? Yeah, conversations are always ongoing with, with lots of different um, entities and sports. Um, the more the more conversations you have with all different types of clubs is you realise that there are always agendas and, and, and stuff like that. And that's I'm not saying that as a bad thing. You know, everybody sees the world differently. Um, huge numbers, yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, and we wouldn't be able to, to do it on our own. So yes, you'd have to have a conversation um, with other clubs. Um, but then how does that look in terms of branding? Um, although although this is amateur amateur rugby, you know, brand brands is so important. Yeah, you know, th- I would say one of the biggest success reasons for our success in recent years is, uh, you know, the branding changed. Um, there was a, a real emphasis on that light blue, huge push on social media. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can't deny it. It's, it's a hugely important part of running an amateur club. So, and everybody's got an IP on their brand and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's always conversations, always ongoing. So, five or ten years' time, you're hoping to have a rugby club and anything else you'd like to achieve? Uh, Premiership rugby? Yeah, I think we could probably come on to Premiership rugby. I think it would need to shift in its in its guise a little bit for well, us to be involved yeah let's go on to premiership rugby because we were t- i was talking to you off air about it that like you know all the credentials you have to hit in order to be a premiership team like you know so do you think one day that it's probably a bit too early yet for the sharks but do you think one day like what if we what if we win the league this year like you know what's the conversation then well that's up to you isn't it you've got a game next weekend against Alain, so that's that's up to you. Yeah. I should take over the the microphone and start asking well, you some questions. Fine, yeah. Um, yeah. So, th- I mean, the, the quicker something's heated up, the quicker it cools down. And so, if we if we push to the to try and get into the Premiership too soon without the the structure in place, yeah, we're just going to fold. So, we've got to do it over a number of years. And it goes back to what I said previously. You, you, you can't have some clubs playing, uh, paying players and others not. You know, I was chatting to Matt on comms at our game against Barrowhouse on Friday. Yeah. We've got a lot of teachers, a lot of guys that they're just here to, to enjoy the game of rugby. They're not here as ex-pros trying to... They just want to go tear it up on a weekend with the boys, have a good laugh and, and, and so on. And, you know, while we've got that 
going on in the club. Like you can't, you can't push them into something that they ultimately, as much as they might like to do it, you know, we we don't have the resources to to support that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not against people being paid to play rugby out here. I really am not. I think I think if we can find a way of uh, raising the ceiling and and the the, the level of rugby. We're we're onto a good thing, but I don't think I don't think that is um, having a bigger Premiership. I think I think what you need to do is you need to have a couple of teams that go into a franchise model that go and play further afield, which is I think what they're sort of looking to do. Um, and then and and keep rugby, you know, adult expat rugby at a certain level that that doesn't start, you know, putting too much strain on. On resources, on on people and families and, and stuff like that. Ultimately, as well, we've got we've got great schools here that have a phenomenal rugby program. Like some of, some of the best rugby that's played in this country is at uh, at the top level of schools. Like some of that stuff is is absolute filth. So we lose those kids when they go off to to university. Some of them have to go before sixth form so they can get to university in the UK where they don't pay that overseas thing. So we're losing so much talent at that top end of schools. And and then they go to university. You know, Mike was involved in, uh, with his work, building a couple of universities out here. Like they are building facilities here yeah. to, to do education, further education. What we want to do is we want to have a, a platform for those kids that they don't feel they need to go off and play rugby in in Australia or America or, or in the UK. You know, they can they can still be the talent can be spotted out here, um, and then they're closer to their families. Some people might not like that. Some people might want to venture away and yeah. go and live a bit of a life. But we need to be able to provide or raise that ceiling and and try and retain the talent here, which will which will help back up. Uh, you know, semi-professional talent being drafted in as well. And then those that are good enough in our premiership that's expanded, that's not professional, have the opportunity to go and test themselves at a higher level, at a representative level, without it uh, impacting our expat clubs that are, that are, like I said, you know, our businesses. You can't... We've got to try and find a way to not level the playing field, but let, make it less transitional. Yeah. Um, and remember that it that, that it is amateur rugby, and we all we're here to enjoy it. You know, there, there should be a professional level, but I'm I'm not I'm not here for it. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. here for the love of the game, and yeah. um, and and that's what Sharks is about. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I suppose the dream then you're on about there just just came into my head. How good it would it be to see in five or ten years' time or whenever to be watching England versus Ireland, and you see a guy playing for England or you see a guy playing for Ireland. And he came through the shark system. You know that would surely be the stuff of dreams. Yeah, that would be that would be quite incredible. Um, I think we're still a couple of years off it. Although there are some kids that are absolutely tearing it up. Um, but I don't think we're far off it off from it. Generally speaking, from someone from a club in the UAE right. going and representing their their home country. I think. Um, yeah, I know there's I know there's a few few guys and girls that have that have gone off for scholarships and um, watch this space on that one. They're, I mean, like I said, there is some phenomenal talent in the school system. Yeah. All right. Uh, where do you see yourself in five or ten years, Chad? Are you settled here now for good, or what's your plan? 
Yeah, well, so we've just bought a house um, just before Christmas. So uh, what do they say? Five years? You've got to live, here, live in it for five years to make it worthwhile. So, yeah, that's, um, we're, I'm here for five years. Um, Touchwood got a great, secure job, um, which is building. So not going go, to go anywhere too, too soon. I've not, I've not lived back in the UK. For, I've, in fact, I've lived longer abroad in my life than I have done back home. So When did you move to Turkey? I thought you were only here since 2015, 16. So I was, I was 18 when I left home. All right. Um, yeah, and, well, I went to university for like two terms, realised it wasn't for me, and then and then went abroad. So yeah, not a fan of the the, the English weather then. No? Um, not 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 really. I wasn't a fan of education either. I mean, I couldn't. I, I struggled. I struggled to finish sixth form. So then going to university was a stupid idea. Well, you're you're not joined the club. I'm with you on that one. Uh, well, we shouldn't be endorsing that, you know. But um, the other thing, the final few questions I want to ask you is. What do you think of the state of the game at the moment? Because we were saying we were, you were watching Scotland France yesterday, and what a game of rugby that was. But what do you think of the level of the rugby at the moment? Do you think rugby's in a good place? And if you could change one thing about the current game of rugby, what would you change, both internationally and over here? Um. Oh, yeah, good one. Um, I'd probably, I'd probably look at that tackle height thing and look at why why are the tackles coming that high i think it's i think there's a correlation between the problems that you face now is because of the the speed of the the defensive line that rush defense the the fact that if you look back at every single game there is always someone offside at the breakdown so i think i think it was mike tindall that mentioned it on on their podcast look at trying to bring the defensive line back um, I'm a I'm a massive NRL fan. I love rugby league, and with more space, okay, yeah, you've got two players that are not on the pitch in in league, but with more space comes more freedom and opportunity, and you see, you know, you see some really good fancy fancy rugby. Now, okay, you don't want to be changing a union product and trying to turn it into league, but with more time you can get lower and you can make the tackles you can you can get to the chop tackles and yeah. and then also if you're going down and chopping at chopping someone the next person in can be over the top before they've even hit the floor yeah. so so when they do hit the floor they're over the top and then that brings me on to another thing that i am a bit concerned about is is the is the way that the i mean when i played rugby when i was a kid being taught how to ruck it was it's very different to how it is now and it's not even just professional game if you look at it i saw it on friday night you know the breakdown was so messy and there's people coming in there's limbs flying everywhere and there's people coming in they're not staying on their feet so they're not in control so you've got guys that are coming in whether they're wrapping or shoulders in or whatever the jackal i just think it's all got so messy and then if you look at if you look at trying to bring people into the like viewers into the game if you've got such a messy breakdown and the referee blows a whistle and they're like i don't i don't get it it all just looks like a jumble sale how are you how are you educating how are the, how are you getting people involved in the game what you need to have is more you need to keep the scrums and the line outs and the set pieces but you need to try and find a way of that defensive line not being so close up on it so you've got a bit more time for the, the, for the tackler 
to get in the right position, but also the ball carrier to get in the right body position as well. And it's it's just getting too much. And I think I think it's so easy to say you've got to lower your tackle height. If you don't, you're going to get you're going to get sent off. Well, that's that's reactive. That's not proactive. Right. So, what about the game? Would you change anything to the game over here? Um, no, I, I, I mean, ultimately, the game's got to change from the top. Yeah. Um, I think I think we've got a really good product here. Right. I, I, I really do think we do. Div, Div 1, which obviously I'm biased towards, um, with the Sharks in it, has been an unbelievable league this year. I mean, just look at, look at the results yeah. at the weekend and throughout. Um, the only thing I would say is we probably need to try and find a way that we can get... Structure the league. Well, yeah, I mean, lead structure, premiership, that's got to change. But I think we need to try and find a way of getting getting the old boys back playing again. So at the moment, Div 2 is sometimes referred to by Alex as, as the Vets League. And it's not a Vets League, it's, a, it's Div 2. It's anyone that can play. But you've got some of the older boys turning their back on the game because they can't be bothered because they've got these young young kids running rings around them yeah. not, it's not the physicality that they, they're scared of it's just the fact that well, I can't run after him so what's the point yeah. so we've got to try and find a way that you can you can provide a pathway for people who are new to the game whether, doesn't matter what age they are yeah. and you've also got to try and find a way that your 45 plus guys can still play the game I mean if you go back home and you look at you look at Vets Rugby and you look at some of the pictures I mean like for my local rugby club it's amazing the old boys that are still trotting around the pitch and having a good laugh, and we've lost that. It's it's we've, we've got we've gone the we've gone a different direction, and we, we we shouldn't be forgetting about that that sort of participation in the game. Okay, oh, that's a very good point. And final question, Charlie: Are the Sharks going to win the league? Yes or no? That's that's up for you. That's that's for you to. to what do, do you think? Do you think? Do you think we have a shot at it? We got two. You got two incredibly tough games ahead. Like, so we went down to Alain a couple of weeks ago and beat them, and that I think that was a first. Yeah. We got to go and do that again. Yeah. Like, that's that's not going to be an easy an easy task. And then, and then you've ultimately you've got to go and beat. If you beat Alain, then you've got to go and beat either Tigers or Hurricanes, and we didn't beat them, either of those guys in the division. So, it's a massive task. Um, do I think it could be done? Yeah, I think it's knockout rugby and anything can happen. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking forward to it. I, I'm really looking forward. We're going to do a big, big away day um, with our sponsors and stuff, heading down to LA. And if we can get through that and we get to the final, then then it's up to you, Nev. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say, well, I'll, hopefully I'll play a part. Like, yeah, definitely. But um, we'll finish with this then, Charlie. Um, quick fire questions, okay? So, favourite thing to do when you're day off? Uh, walk the dogs in the desert. Favourite film? Ooh, uh, Home Alone. Go to karaoke song? Blur, Park Life. Uh, go to breakfast food? Just a massive fry up. Uh, what is something you've never tried but want to? Uh, it's not very PG-13. Um, next one. <laughs> uh, best book you ever read? I've never read a book in my life. Jesus, right. Uh, um, got, uh, biggest fear? I don't like the dark. Right. Yeah. 
favourite chocolate pair? Uh, Snickers peanut butter. And finally, tea or coffee? Tea. Builders tea. Charlie, thanks for being for that. Cheers, Nev, and uh, look forward to seeing you at training tomorrow night. And thanks for listening. And thanks again to club chairman Charlie Taylor. A really good insight to club rugby here in the UAE and just great to hear how the whole thing works really. And thanks to Reggie, the manager of McGilligan's uh, Medina. And thanks to McGilligan's for letting us use their facility for that podcast. And uh, I'll be back again next week with Alex Johnson probably. Uh, make sure to keep following Yala Rugby on Instagram and Facebook and wherever else. Alex does a great job of growing the game and keeping the results updated. And also make sure to give my pure rugby account, Rugby Smacks, a follow on Instagram. So I'll be updating all the international stuff. And of course, it's a World Cup year. So until next time, where, I'll have some, where we'll have someone else from the UAE Rugby on. Um, remember, you can get this podcast on Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Neville O'Donoghue. Thanks for listening. And I'm out of here.